Welcome back to A Political Coming of Age. I'm Amelia and I'm here with my co-host. Hi, I'm Scarlett. Um, Today we're going to be talking about the flawed state of sex ed in the United States. And we're going to go ahead and put a little trigger warning at the beginning of this episode because we are going to be talking about consent, which goes hand in hand with sexual assault. And we know that that's a sensitive topic for a lot of people um, and can be easily triggering to some So just go ahead and click off, you know, do what you need to do. If you think that this would at all be disturbing to you, go listen to another episode. You know the drill. Yeah, and we're having this conversation also because I think we find it important to destigmatize this as a topic overall. Um, But of course, we don't want to make anyone uncomfortable. Um, We thought this would be an appropriate issue to discuss because we're both currently working to revise and rebuild the sex ed curriculum at our high school. Um, because of recent heartbreaking and disturbing sexual harassment and misconduct cases in both the middle and high school. Um, and I know Amelia is a part of Gender Equality Club, and I work with an organization called Joyful Heart Foundation. So both of us are very involved in this, and we're really passionate about it as a topic, so we thought, why not talk about it on the pod? Yeah, so let's get started. Okay. So although the United States is considered one of the largest political and economic powers in the world, this country has neglected to prioritize the sexual health of its youth completely. Um, (laughs) Go ahead. I'm going to interrupt you. Um, Actually, according to a study published by the... I'm going to pronounce this so wrong. Gutmatcher? Gutmatcher? Gutmatcher. Gutmatcher Institute in the National Library of Medicine. Teenagers in the United States face a disproportionate number of unwanted pregnancies with 750,000 affected in 2019, as well as 20 million cases of sexually transmitted diseases. The United States also leads among developed nations in abortion rates. And contributing to these pressing issues, a mere 38 of 50 states um, possess laws concerning sex education and 30 states promote abstinent-based curriculum to this day. Um, the Center for Disease Control and Prevention determined that an average of 6.2 hours of sexual education are required at American high schools, with a maximum of four hours devoted to conversations on human immunodeficiency, yeah, <laughs> viruses, <laughs> um, sexually transmitted infections, you know, STIs, and pregnancy preventions. And some students don't even receive this um, amount with 87% of parents and guardians opting their children out of these lessons. Isn't that insane? That's such a large statistic. And you think it would be crazy, too, that parents would want to educate their kids on this because that's like most parents will have a conversation somewhat around sex um, with their kids eventually, but then it's like, why wouldn't they want to have it in schools? Yeah, and then also 6.2 hours is nothing. (laughs) That's not enough. Considering also the amount of time you spend at school and... It's the amount of information there is to cover. Mm-hmm. I mean, 6.2 hours is not nearly enough. And also that 30 states promote abstinence-based curriculum still. To this day, you think it would be more progressive, but clearly nope. it's not. Sex education curriculum have created an unpredictable environment for youth as educators disseminate um, and conceal information to students based on constantly fluid laws over sex ed so scarlett why don't you give us a little bit of background you know start from the beginning 
Just give us a little bit of substance. Of course. Um, in 1914, the American Social Hygiene Association was created during the same era as the eugenics movement, which focused on the prom- promotion of quote-unquote superior hereditary traits to quote better society. Um, the ASHA's goal was to educate men about sex and prevent women from having sex unless intending to reproduce, which that sounds backwards to me. <laughs> um, at the time, the focus was on purity. In 1916, um, Margaret Sanger created the first Planned Parenthood clinic, which also followed eugenics principles with the intention of promoting the white race through birth control. Wow. And Margaret Sanger was a, le- a leader of the eugenics movement, and there's a lot of research behind that. She actively talked, at, spoke at conventions. I mean, she was very involved in that. Um, I mean, that's also crazy, promoting the white race through birth control yeah that is i i just finished a paper on that actually it's really interesting if you ever want to read about it you can just you know look it up it's pretty well known but culturally discussions of sex were and still are honestly considered taboo and especially premarital and homosexual sex which at the time was actually considered a crime um and these messages continued well into the 1960s and it wasn't until the 1980s during the AIDS crisis that lawmakers sort of began to prioritize education of safe sex principles and STD prevention out of sort of fear. I feel like this is somewhat hypocritical, though, um, because throughout the 1990s and early 2000s, the federal government spent hundreds of million dollars funding politically conservative abstinence only programs. So they were like, hey, we're going to try and offer a little bit of sex ed, except that it's not really it's mostly just like shaming students and kids and telling them the only way that you can have safe sex or I mean, be prevented from STDs or pregnancy is abstinence. Um And instead of focusing on, like, the principles of safe sex. I completely agree that they did not go about it in the right way whatsoever. It was a completely twisted agenda and super counterproductive. Yeah, they for sure didn't go about it in the right way. And we still see the heavy enforcement of this insane abstinence propaganda today. um, Even though it's been proven to be so ineffective. Um, In 2012, the National Abstinence Education Association became a national leader of abstinence-only until marriage programs, and these initiatives exist to this day. So this is still information that's being widely spread around and that people are willing to consume and put into practice as well. Mm -hmm. Which, I mean, also, by the way, we're saying you can do absolutely whatever you want. Um, I just think that it's somewhat messed up of the only... If the only um, sex ed curriculum you're receiving is based on abstinence. It's been proven that by trying to teach and promote abstinence in schools doesn't help any student because that's not going to stop teenagers from having sex. It's just totally unrealistic to teenage life. And all it's doing is not protecting them when they do. Exactly. So it's just a naive approach that Mm -hmm. is very unproductive. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that also to a certain level, it's like people are aware that it's probably unproductive um, and they're still enforcing it. So yep. then it's like, really, what's the point? Why? <laughs> and I don't know. S- side note, but we say that we have separated religion from the state, but it Clearly doesn't not. seem like that. Yeah. I know the um, separation of church and state, I feel like follows into that a lot, especially with like, I don't know. It's kind of a politicized issue at the end of the day because... 
I think like abstinence and sex ed and kind of even like being pro-choice like all of these issues on abortion like all of these issues kind of go hand in hand definitely. and they're super controversial when they really should be. definitely anyways and um many crucial faults still persist within the united states sex mm-hmm. education today such as the lack of cohesion between state curriculums a prevalence of heteronormative narratives and the exclusion of conversations surrounding consent and relationships and only 24 states in Washington, D.C. require sex education, and 34 states permit the inclusion of HIV-related information. And I was just reading that according to a recent study, um, the CDC school health profile said that fewer than half of high schools and only a fifth of middle schools teach all 16 topics recommended by the CDC as essential components of sex education. Only 24 states and Washington, D.C. require sex education, and only 34 states permit the inclusion of HIV-related information. And I was just reading that according to a recent CDC school health profile study, fewer than half of high schools and only a fifth of middle schools teach all 16 topics recommended by the CDC as essential components of sex education. 25 states heavily emphasize abstinence-based sex education and five states require negative messaging um, around discussions of sex, sexual orientation. So they basically put this dialogue on sex and like this, they just increase the stigma around sex i mean can you believe that five states require negative messaging around discussions of sexual orientation actively discouraging students to be talking about sexual orientation to be talking about healthy relationships and what those relationships should be looking like that is insane and it feels so backwards and the fact that they're enforcing negative conversations as well Mm -hmm. within like educational institutions is absolutely wild to me it's so shameful and it's unrealistic to teenagers that they're and their needs in sex ed as well um i feel like these discrepancies between states like they really disadvantage youth who happen to be born in one of those states like one of those five states or even the 25 states um that emphasize abstinence-based sex education um and it just prevents them from accessing basic information which is so unfair Definitely. And I mean, there's other important, there's another important point surrounding this backwards agenda as well, which is that heteronormative dialogue within sex education programs disadvantage queer youth and disregard their sexual safety completely. Yeah. I mean, I think the common narrative around sex ed is only informative to heterosexual relationships. And when I say common narrative, I mean, like, I'm saying, like, it's like, okay, common, whatever scarlet yes probably the united states is more progressive than that but when you think about it 25 still enforcing these abstinence-based things abstinence-based sex um sex ed that is referring to heterosexual relationships um and that's completely excluding and doing a disservice to the lgbtq plus students um and i think it enforces heteronormativity and the idea that only heterosexual relations are like normal or valid or worthy of even being discussed within consent and sex ed curriculums in school which is so unfair and exclusionary completely and 
when you think about it, there's still so many people that are so unaccepting in this country. And the demographic of young LGBTQ plus individuals are so much less likely to discuss their sexuality at home, which leaves them with unreliable outlets of information, you know, like their friends and the internet, but they, they're much like less likely to have these discussions at home. Um, and if they're not receiving this information through school, they're really left with no other choice. Mm-hmm. It's a complete disservice. And I can imagine it's so isolating too, when it's like, you can't really rely on the school. You can't rely on your parents. And when you're a, when you're a kid, when you're a teenager, it's like, who's supposed to have your back? Who are you supposed to lean on to provide you to this information? And also it's important that they're finding out like the truth and you go to school to get an education and they're not teaching you what you need to hear or they're in fact they're actively excluding you and statistically the g-l-s-e-n notes that queer youth are more likely to engage in sexual activity at a young age and with multiple partners compared to heterosexual youth um leading to higher risk of contracting hiv or other stis sexual abuse and teen pregnancy so they are already more at risk for these you know terrible things but that is only increase and emphasize because of the lack of education they've received on it. A hundred percent. That's actually a really important point that the fact that they're not receiving education on it puts them more at risk. I feel like it's a perpetuating cycle. Um, and I think when you hear those facts, it becomes so much more pressing that there's such a gap in common sex ed in America. Um, and it's ultimately so discriminatory. Completely. I think when you hear those facts also, it becomes so much more pressing that there's such a gap in common sex ed in America. And it's ultimately so unfair. Um, I feel like sex ed in American schools focuses on like heterosexual intercourse um, and doesn't include information on perhaps other sexual activity or ways to practice safe sex with within these types of sexual activity yeah and as a result only seven percent of lgbtq plus youth cite any queer friendly material within their sex education curriculum yes yeah, specifically oral or anal sex which is primarily um used within the lgbtq plus community and i also think that's due to the fact that they're focusing on abstinence well, when you're focusing on abstinence you're not paying attention to those other kinds of sexual activity um and it's so counterproductive. Well, I think that also all of the facts and the information and resources that they are giving to students about safe sex are only penile vaginal intercourse. And mm-hmm. there's no inclusion in any other type. Um, and it's just like there isn't adequate representation at the end of the day. Yeah, which there's is re- like so much more to sex than the physical action as well. Um, I think that like how par- how both parties treat each other within interactions um, and communication regarding safety and comfort and understanding of emotional cues. That is, sex isn't just, you know, an action of, it's not just the action. There's so much more. It's a very emotional thing that is really hard to sort of go about and navigate, especially as a young person. And they're, they're, students receive no guidance whatsoever. You know, well, they only are receiving the science and the statistics and and like this these certain selected statistics as well like you're they're not receiving the bigger picture and i think it's also important that they receive the greater context of safe sex in relationships as well 100 percent. 
And this prevalence of abstinence-only education neglects all of these key topics, and youth can find themselves in emotionally manipulative or abusive relationships without realizing it completely. And these are all things that could be prevented through proper education. The U.S. Department of Health and Human Services concluded that abstinence-only curricula did not result in positive outcomes for the sexual health of U.S. adolescents. Um, I think ultimately these programs focus on what students should not do as opposed to what they can do. I think they're more punitive um, and do not leave youth with tangible advice that they can follow. Completely. And on average, nearly 750,000 teenagers become pregnant in the United States every single year. And one in three women are sexually assaulted. Currently, program, programs do not adequately protect at-risk youth, such as the LGBTQ plus community, from these traumatic experiences at all. They, are, they receive no protection. And I think in regards to sexual assault, you bring up one in three women are sexually assaulted. It's excluding consent. Or mm-hmm. um, I, think, I think it would be even productive as well to, I think at the end of the day, engineer hands-on interactive sexual education programs that go beyond the shallow conceptions of sex as pure physical intercourse. Um, and I think like that, that would ultimately empower youth to view sex as an extension of their personal health and a vital aspect of human relationships. It's about focusing on the emotional, psychological, and economic impacts of what happens when youth and adolescents engage in sexual intercourse and other sexual practices. And these are things that schools and we need to be focusing on because it's just such a naive approach that is not working Mm -hmm. at all. I think comprehensive sex education must involve the more emotional and social aspects connected to the act of sex. Um, A person's decisions regarding sex reflect their upbringing, viewpoints, associations, um, which all should be addressed. Because at the end of the day, I think relationships and healthy relationships and sex look different for everyone so the curriculum needs to be able to suit all different kinds of people yeah and sex ed also sort of just provides the perfect opportunity perfect to discuss life skills you know like family communication avoiding coercion in you know sending nude photos or or coercion in sex and sexual activities and making healthy decisions sexual decisions which are really important conversations to be having with young people and with younger generations a hundred percent i think that also there's an opportunity there as well to discuss consent or what um the aftermath of assault can look like and kind of provide resources because i know that for a lot of sexual assault or sexual violence victims um it's really isolating and it's like they have nowhere to lean on and i think a lot of times is also it's like you have to learn about what these incidents look like in order to maybe realize like oh my gosh that happened to me or like Mm -hmm. oh my gosh that happened to someone i know um it it's it can be really really helpful for victims to have sort of an authority figure or an older person that they can turn to and the school would be a great opportunity for that you know with uh life coaches or counselors and they're just not providing that mm-hmm. resource they think that survivors and victims need to hear someone say like we believe you 
Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that someone like a counselor could be the perfect person to do something like something like that, especially if like maybe the student or the victim or whatever isn't comfortable doing so at home with their parents yeah. or with their friends. It's kind of like you need this person who's like not necessarily in the everyday loop of your life to rely on. Mm-hmm. And currently the common sex ed- common curriculum of sex ed is missing out on that. Yeah, and after okay, after giving you all these terrible negative statistics on the bright side, some states have slowly begun to include material that includes information on on consent, sexual orientation and harassment. And these discussions are helping young people, you know, navigate their choices and actions involving sex and gives them cues to evaluate their own safety and okay scarlet and i in our experience we go to a very progressive school and we have had barely any conversation on consent i remember once we watched a video about a tea bag i think it's a pretty universal video a lot they show it at a lot of schools yeah and that was supposed to sort of like relate to consent um but that was about it i don't even remember the video i don't remember what it said uh i think that myself and my classmates would really appreciate a real discussion that would stick with me and that would stick with my classmates because it's so important especially now that we're going to go off to college Mm -hmm. and like that's what amelia and i are trying to do right now at our school but like also i think we can speak from the perspective as young women as high school students that we don't want to just like be lectured out we want the opportunity to be able to talk and explore these things along with students, along with people who can offer us resources and educate us. Um, and I think it's important, important, <laughs> important and poignant um, <laughs> that both boys and girls are ed- educated on this. I think that girls shouldn't be the only ones receiving the education where it's like, oh, practice all these things or avoid sexual assault. Like, no, at the end of the day, like I can tell you exactly the the tea video Amelia is talking about. It was basically using tea as an analogy for consent. I'm sorry, maybe this is a controversial thing to say, but I also think that schools kind of have a responsibility to be telling their students, hey, it is not okay to sexually assault people, mm-hmm. especially before students are about to go into college and ex- because that's so prominent in college. And explain also what I think would be really important and useful would be to explain the effects that sexual assault has on a victim, to explain that h- how terrible it is and how awful it is Mm -hmm. and just educate students on that they need to provide a safe environment as well it needs to not feel like you're being lectured or yelled at i think in the abstinence only curriculums amelia and i were talking about it can often just feel so like patronizing and And, out of touch and not to mention the abstinence only curriculum only perpetuates the narrative of sexual assault victims feeling ashamed and the the shame that Mm -hmm. comes this place especially on women around sex and having sex and being sexually active at the end of the day i think it is a definitely a gendered issue as well because i'm sorry but think about it i feel like the abstinence curriculums are directed towards women just because that's the way society is it doesn't like women to talk about their relationships or sexual activity and then men are allowed to do whatever they want i'm sorry think about it a woman can get pregnant twice in one year a man can impregnate endless women mm-hmm. <laughs> multiple women a day um and it's kind of like 
it is a gendered issue at the end of the day. I think that people need to be held accountable and just to be told the most productive way to enforce this stuff is to say, hey, don't assault other people. Yep. And And I wish it looked more like that, but the sad reality is that it doesn't. And I think that these discussions will also help teenagers ensure that they're in healthy, consensual relationships, which could definitely be useful. Mm -hmm. And they need to see what healthy relationships look like. Yeah. So they can try and make that a part of their lives. mm -hmm. And a study entitled A State of Sex Education in the United States by the Journal of Adolescence Health finds that programs with rights-based content positive youth-centered messages and the use of interactive participatory learning and skill building are effective in empowering adolescents with the knowledge and tools required for sexual for healthy sexual decision making and behaviors so it is proven that if you teach this students will follow and i think ultimately students are so much more likely to engage when they're personally involved as opposed to listening to a lecture that might not relate to their lives or just listening to a person who's a lot older than you talk about try and talk about things from a young person's perspective when it's like hey you're so unrelatable yeah (laughs) and and this feels so out of touch and these conversations that sort of feel personal will really help make students feel safe and sexual education just overall needs to be prior needs to prioritize the inclusion of all sexual orientations, socioeconomic backgrounds, cultural, ident- cultural identities and backgrounds, and gender orientations so that each student feels heard and protected. I'm going to add on to that as well and say that it should be inclusive of victims of sexual assault as well. Mm-hmm. And the American sex education should prepare youth to sort of make informed and thoughtful decisions about their health and take responsibility for themselves and others to improve their health. I think we can both agree that it's so necessary that the United States creates a state-to-state consistency um, by federally mandating comprehensive sexual education, um, updating its sexual education materials to promote the inclusion of all identities, including LGBTQ plus identities, um, and that they include extensive research-backed information in sexual education courses that address relationships, consent, power dynamics, and emotional awareness in order to empower youth mm-hmm. and encourage them to make their own decisions and feel safe and comfortable doing so and knowledgeable and, and informed. And make the right decisions mm-hmm. that wouldn't put other people at risk and that would only affect themselves. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think it's also interesting to bring up the politics of sex ed i mean in the 2020 election the presidential candidates did not mention sexual education as a talking point during a single one of their debates and this essential resource holds the capacity to directly affect the well-being of all american citizens and i think specifically the well-being of american youth Mm -hmm. um youth are the people who are being educated we're we're open to information and so uh, politicians are constantly talking about education and public school education Mm -hmm. funding why aren't they talking about this if they care about the the youth of america why aren't they reforming this i mean i also think it's necessary that like you're teaching this you're teaching this stuff to people at a young age because that's when they're open to receiving this information Mm -hmm. and if they learn it and they're taught it and preached it from a young age then they'll 
they'll, like learned it learned things become actions like they'll start to live their life in a more productive and safe and i mean consensual people will make more consensual i'm like losing my wording here but i'm just saying that like i think relationships and self and safe sex would go in a better direction ultimately yeah and it shouldn't be overlooked and people sort of have made it a controversial conversation when it really should not be it's definitely stigmatized because people don't want to talk about sex and sex ed and a consent curriculum had so much more than that mm-hmm. you know it is at the end of the day um i think it's definitely about more than just sex um and it's for sure stigmatized but at the end of the day when the country chooses to improve american sexual education they improve the quality of american life 100 percent, 100 percent. okay i think that's all for this episode scrolls mm-hmm. do you have any ending comments i mean hopefully we'll talk about this in the future on the podcast how things go within our school yeah we'll keep Um, you guys updated this is something amelia and i have really been pushing for and i think we just want to see change we want to see tangible change yeah definitely and we hope you all enjoyed it you know go out there and try to make a difference it'll affect generations and generations to come like speak up Mm -hmm. and like do the same at your school too like encourage um your administration to include more stuff on consent or yeah um i think that just like nothing will change if nobody speaks out um and we're we're starting with pushing our high school to make institutionalized changes um and i think everyone should try and do the same yeah and if you notice anything at your high school that could use changing speak up and speak up when you see something wrong mm-hmm. and something that you don't approve of. You know, try and make a difference, even if it's small. Mm-hmm. We love you guys. Have a great rest of your day. We hope you enjoyed. Mm-hmm.